Welcome to episode 5 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Wooburn, and this is a podcast where I sit down with inspiring CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders across all industries to talk about all things leadership. And today, I sit down with Jamie Martin, who's had quite an interesting career in the Australian Army and working for Defence Australia. And we'll have a chat about developing the next generation of leaders. So let's bring Jamie into the conversation. Jamie, good morning. Welcome to Leadership Conversations. How's things? Morning, morning Brad. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, I'm well. Yourself? Yeah, really well. Really well. Thanks. I, I've been waiting for this discussion. I think there's a lot of interesting stories that I know you're going to share today around your background. And today we're having a conversation around building the leadership talent of the future. So we're going to tap into that. And I know that um, that's a, an area that is a real passion of yours and it is for me as well. So yeah, over to you, Jamie, just for a bit of a high level background on where you've come from and, and what you do today. Yeah, definitely. Thanks very much. Um, my background is uh, a lot to do with helicopters in the army. Um, the last sort of 19 years I've been involved in, in that. Uh, and I studied in Brisbane, uh, Queensland um, at university and then joined the army straight, straight after that. So, um, you know, went through officer training, went into uh, flying training and then into helicopters. And then I've um, led teams, uh, both small teams up to large, large teams across uh, all different countries, uh, deployments, you know, domestic re- disaster response, uh, combat security operations. Uh, and my previous job to this was as the commanding officer of the 5th Aviation Regiment up in Townsville, mm-hmm. 600 people, 30 helicopters, you know, doing stuff across um, bushfires, floods, amphibious operations, which is flying out, you know, from ships at sea, um, in Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, uh, all types of missions. And now I'm in um, a leadership development role in the army where we're developing leaders across the army. Uh, so that's really interesting getting to take what I've learned from all those experiences and then into how we develop our leaders uh, for the future. Great overview on, on your background. So today, we're, as mentioned before, we're, we're going to have a conversation around building that next generation talent. Can I ask Jamie what what do you what do you look for in individuals when when you look to develop you know leaders to what individual contributors that you know are going to go into become you know leaders of of small or large teams what what are the couple of things that you look for in individuals Well this is a really interesting question because uh you know we probably presuppose a couple of things behind that type of question mm. that um, that someone has something already. And um, I like to say that uh, everyone's a leader. It's just how far you are on your journey and mm. how much you're committed to leading. And, uh, you know, we've talked about, you and I have talked about this briefly, but you mm. can lead from wherever, whatever position you are in the organization. You know, so you can lead upwards, you can lead sideways, you can lead downwards. Uh, and so looking for something in someone, the most important thing is, are, are they ready to get on their journey? 
Mm. And and uh, are they do they have the mindset of wanting to learn? Because that's the most important thing in any junior person who's stepping up to be a leader in my in my view. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And I think from my perspective, when throughout my career, there's a couple of things that I feel are pretty important when, you know, we look to develop that next generation talent. I think these days having high levels of EQ, I think it's, is pretty important. And those things are not really taught at school. I, you and I are similar age, and I, I feel like we didn't really, we weren't taught those things at school. We weren't taught how to have emotional intelligence when we're interacting with other people. But I think EQ is one of those things for me that is pretty important. And when I look at, when I reflect on the leaders that I've worked with in the past, that really stand out for me, they have high levels of EQ. And of course, IQ, right? You need to be just generally talented to be able to navigate the complexities of leading large teams because let's face it, when you when you lead a team, small or large, you take on a lot of emotional baggage, um, each member in your team. And sometimes that can be very tiring. Um, you, you, you're taking on a lot of weight from other people. Um, but I, I feel like EQ is, is pretty important. Um, what's your perspective on, on, on that? Yeah, definitely. I like to say leading would be easy if, except for the people, right? Yes. <laughs> and so it's all about people. Uh, the, the, a lot of the decisions that you make um, in business or in the military around what you're doing, your strategy, um, how you're going to execute a mission or a project, they're actually a lot easier than the people decisions. Mm-hmm. And the people the people are actually what delivers the outcome. So your point about EQ is so important. I used to tell my team, it doesn't matter how many helicopters we've got on in the hangar if we don't have the people with the skills and the proficiencies to deliver the outcome. It doesn't matter. We can have the best helicopters in the world, but it's not, they don't, they don't do deliver the mission themselves. It's the Mm. people that deliver the mission. And so the, all the aspects of emotional intelligence come into play both um, inside your team, but also with your team, with whoever you're serving, Mm. whether it's, whether in business as a customer or in the military, it's, it's the people that we're, we're serving. And so, so important, so important. And yeah. it's it's not something that you, as you say, we get it at school. It's something you learn throughout your career, but you can actually accelerate that. Mm. Um, but it it's, it takes uh, commitment, but it also takes um, people helping you along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big believer of learning on the job. You know, it's, we, we've touched on this a few times already in this discussion. You know, it's, it's not... Emotional intelligence, as an example, is not taught at school, but I do believe that learning on the job and learning from others is the best way to learn. And I think the way that you show up on a daily basis, I feel like having a always be learning mindset is pretty important these days because time goes by very quickly and, you know, things like technology is changing every single day and, 
we have to be able to quickly adapt as leaders. Um, what, what, what do you feel are the key attributes to really, as a leader, to bring the best out of people? What, what are the, I guess, the, the few things that come to your mind that uh, allow you to bring the best out in people? Well, one of the the big things that I like to talk about is um, the concept of intellectual humility. I love and, that. And, I love and that. by that, what I mean when I say that is, is that you can hold in your mind an idea that you don't agree with mm. and you can grapple with it and you can discuss it. So practicing that as a thing and going into a team knowing you don't have all the answers and that someone else in the team is likely to have a better solution than you. So making that default mindset in your mind as a leader, because then you're actually going to apply a whole bunch of emotional intelligence skills, right? You're going mm. to be active listening. You're going to have empathy for the other person. You're going to have you know, general humility. You're actually going to not hog the conversation. You know, you're going to um, be empowering people to bring their things forward. You're essentially creating psychological safety by the attitude you bring to a situation. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. Um, I like to say uh, when I talk to, um, you know, my team or or people that I work with or people that are putting in leadership positions is in the army, you know, we all wear our rank. And mm. I say rank rank doesn't have a monopoly on good ideas. You know, yeah. rank doesn't have a monopoly. You, you guys down there at the coalface actually doing the job have better ideas than me sitting up in the office in the ivory tower, you know, overseeing something. You know, mm. you guys, you guys have better ideas, but um, the people with the authority to make them happen sometimes are sitting in the ivory tower. So the communication and the passage and freedom of movement of those ideas is the most important. And intellectual humility as a leader is a really important thing to make that happen in my view. Yeah, absolutely. Can leadership skills be taught, do you think? Uh, I would say the skills can't be taught, but they can be learned. Mm. So it's a subtle difference there. So if you were working for me, I can't say, Brad, um, you need to learn empathy. Let's sit down and I'll teach you empathy. Mm. What I can do is help you think about it, give you some tools, show you some ways to practice it and talk about how I have done it or am trying to do better at it. And then it's up to you to learn it. Mm. I can't teach it to you like a maths equation or, uh, you know, or um, a basketball shot or something like that. I mean, it, it's kind of similar to sport because you need to practice, but I can't yeah. actually teach you the thing I can help you learn. Yeah. And that's the, there's a key distinction between the two, right? Mm. I, uh, I've always had coaches around me you know, since I was probably about, you know, 20 years old or so. So long time now I'm 38 now. And recently I, uh, I got connected with, with someone um, uh, actually within the organization that I work for, and he's been helping me around executive presence. And, you know, I think it's always important to really ask for constructive feedback and understand, you know, what, what's the, the gap analysis on me? And I think as leaders, we need to help bring out what are the areas of, of improvement 
so that we can help you know bridge the gap that certain individuals might have that we're developing to move into those you know leadership roles or what have you um, I think that's really important getting that transparent feedback uh, along the way and understanding where the gaps are and then building a plan to help navigate uh, those those gaps pretty important is there um you know when, when we talk about because I'm pretty sure that you've dealt with some pretty challenging situations in your career. How do you navigate times of, I guess, adversity um, with um, with the teams that you lead? Yeah, uh, great question. Yeah, great question. So there's, for me, there's um, two types of adversity that I like to put it put your two buckets. I like to put the adversity in there's adversity of circumstance or Mm -hmm. situation. And there's adversity of, you know, people in the team where things are going wrong and they both make me reflect and learn um, different things. So the, the easiest one surprisingly is the adversity of circumstance. So like we, uh, we as a team um, at the, in my last job at the fifth aviation regiment, we're thrown into all types of crises and then being responsible to execute. So we had the, in the start of 2019, we had the floods up in North Queensland Mm. and we were thrown into the midst because our people in our team, their homes were being flooded. Our unit was surrounded by water and towns were cut off. Uh, Everything was turning you know really bad across the area but we needed to execute we need to fly and support the local town um, people that were cut off people that need to be extracted from um, other uh, towns like air and charters towers to get back to townsville for emergency surgery we were some of the only people flying a lot of the other aircraft were grounded so we need to keep executing in the midst of adversity and looking after our people and dynamically managing the situation as it happened, you know, overnight when the floodwaters rose, when the spill gates of the dam opened. So, so really that's a circumstance where the team executes in adversity and it brings out the best in people. And you can learn heaps from how you empower people to make autonomous decisions dynamically under pressure and the environment that you create so that you actually thrive in that adversity as a team and it's really powerful and everyone learns so much from those circumstances. The second one is when you've got crises in your team, you know, and that is always the hardest, right? You could be, Mm. it could be just business as usual for how your team's operating in terms of the things you're doing, but Mm. you have a personnel crisis where someone is leading poorly and it's damaging everyone's attitude and their approach to work or um, creating unsafe situations in particularly when you're operating high-end equipment or high-risk missions and so you as the leader have to step in and engage with the team figure out what's going on understand where the breakdowns are and then you have to take action you can't let those things go and so that is actually a lot more personally and emotionally draining because you are having to have those really tough conversations. You have to intervene. You have to pull people out of roles. You have to reorganize teams so that you can actually, you know, do your job in a good way, but 
through looking after your people and reshaping behaviors, um, structures, authorities, etc. So, you know, those you learn differently through both types of adversity in my, my experience. Yeah. No, I understood and, and agreed uh, with you. What um, I'm keen to understand you, you, you're a pretty driven individual. Where, where do you get your drive from? Is it, does it stem back from your upbringing? Is it something that you've developed over time? Where, where does, where does your drive come from? Yeah, it's really interesting question. Um, my, my passion is about helping others and mm. um and i think that comes from both uh the results you can see from how it impacts other people's lives but also the results that you can achieve together as mm. a team and i just love particularly um uh solving problems differently creating new things that add value to people's lives um, changing organizations for the better, um, looking after people. So their, their day and their, their, the way their life is running is so much better than it could be working for someone else. So those things, the, the impact I can have on others is often my key driver. And, Mm -hmm. um, and all the things that I learn are about how can I do better at that? Um, so that's probably my biggest motivation, you know, in life because relationships and people are the most important in my view. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, on, on a personal front, uh, my, um, I have a young family. I'm married and we we have a a three-year-old son together and we recently moved to our new home. And I remember our, um, our neighbor who we've been able to develop an excellent relationship with one of our neighbors There's there's quite a few, but just one in particular, he the the um the the, the husband the, the dad have got two boys he said to me that when we first moved in he, he was him and his wife and, and their two boys would drop you know cake off to us or drop this off to us this and that i just thought that was a lovely thing to do and i, I said to him it's very nice for you to do this but you, you know you don't have to and he said you know what you can, uh, anyone can go buy a new house, but you can't buy your neighbours. And I love that because mm. uh, it really resonated with me and especially in a, in a business context as well. It, I think if you always put others before yourself, you have a higher chance to be successful in your career. Mm. And if it's always just about you as an individual, Sure, you need to look out for your own interests. That that's a given. But I think if you always look out for um, other people and you put others first before yourself, and I was raised in that way. I was raised in a family of five, lot lot of adversity growing up, and my my father always taught me to um, to to have that kind of approach to life. Always, you know, um, put others first before yourself. And sometimes that means you need to take a bit of a hit um, yourself. Uh, but I think that those having that kind of attitude towards uh, life, I think you can't really go wrong. Do you mm. agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it, listening to your story 
uh, brings out some interesting, interesting thoughts in, in my mind, what I've learned from my kids. I've, I've got um, three kids. They're a bit older than yours. Yeah. I've got a uh, girl, boy, girl, they're 15, 13 and 10. Wow. And, and um, I've learned a lot from my 10 year old over the last year, year or so, because like you're saying, you know, your neighbors were dropping off cakes. Well, my 10 year old daughter, she, she knows all of the old people that live in our suburb. We have a fair few retired people that live mm-hmm. up and down our street sure. and she goes around and writes them little notes and makes little things for them and drops them off. She even had like a little shoebox at the door so that if they were out, she could still, in one of the one of the people, she could still drop the little things into That's the shoebox amazing. and they can pick them up when they come back. And, and um, you know, it links to, I've, I've learned a lot from that with um, how I invest in my team. And the difference in the military sometimes than um, business is, is you don't hire your people mm. as a leader. You get the team that you, that comes to you. I see. And you often have, less control over who's in your team so you need to go well how do i get the best out of investing in my people Mm. who are my people how do i invest in them empower them to so that we achieve the best thing as a team and so um it's it you have to take a different approach because you know like you say you can't buy your neighbors in the Mm. military often you can't buy your leader or you Mm. can't buy your team because it's not like business yeah you know what i mean and so you then have to go, well, how do we make the best and most powerful team uh, from from who we are and where we're at to achieve what we've been asked to do? And so you have to take a different approach often. Um, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's a different way of solving the problem potentially in other leadership contexts as the military. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a pretty good way to end this discussion today, Jamie. Once again, wanted to thank you for your time, and uh, it's been great, you know, listening to your journey, and and I've been able to learn a lot about your approach to leadership. So, wanted to thank you again, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brad. It's been really great. Take it easy. You too. Have a good day. And that concludes episode five of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I really hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. I'll see you in the next episode.